0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great British Drafting Show. Uh, This is Vincent, very quickly, uh, to point out that this podcast was unfortunately recorded just before the Panthers released Greg Olsen, and so in the podcast we talk like he's still on the team. Largely, that doesn't actually affect what we talk about, but just so everyone is aware that is why we suddenly are talking about it like he's still on the team. Hope you enjoy. (laughs)
1: to the great british drafting show an exclusive off-season series where we'll be taking a weekly look at the 2020 nfl draft and how the panthers might approach it we are part of the riot network which is powered by Author carolina that's all the panthers podcast you could possibly want all in one place if you do learn something during this week's episode, uh, please do be sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from so that other Panthers fans can enjoy the show. Um, tell your friends about us and as always, do keep your opinions to yourself if you don't like it. Uh, my name's Ollie. I'm one of the leaders of the Royal Right here in the UK and I'll be your host right up to the draft. Um, I'm here to generally talk nonsense, however thankfully uh, I am joined by none other than our draft guru. Mr. Vincent, oh, tripping over my words here, put my teeth back in, Vincent. Mr. Vincent <laughs> Richardson, how are you doing,
0: mate? I'm all right, thanks, yeah. How are you?
1: Yeah, very well, thanks. Good week? Yeah, pretty good, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. So, um, we've recorded uh, a couple already, already looking at the uh, Panther squad as a whole, yeah. uh, so, you know, where we're strong, where we're weak. Uh, if you haven't listened to those, those yet, probably a good idea to go back and check those out now, uh, because we're going to start taking a bit of a deeper dive into each position and um, before we do that though um I've seen some of the research you've done Vincent it's it's pretty comprehensive to to put it mildly um, where, on you, where on earth do you even start with all that but what's your process
0: okay so I mean in terms of sort of the details you sort of you start with a list of players and you just watch them and think about them until you've got a decision on each of them but um so mo- mo- my assessments are almost uh, exclusively tape-based so I I'm I'm not really taking that like, college production or athletic measurables into account Obviously, teams will factor in slightly, but but particularly the athletic measurables. But personally, they're not out yet. But also, there, I think it's that it's more important to get an understanding of who the players are on tape and what it is they actually do well and don't do well, um, actually on the field. Um, I think it's also worth saying that for for all the position groups, I don't take off the field or medical concerns into account. So if there's someone who is is quite highly rated here who who you hear being talked about as as, as say an undraftable prospect. for for off the field reasons that's that's possibly what you know i'm I'm just i'm not going to try and comment on that because i think that's ultimately something that teams have lots of people doing lots of work to look into and that's not really in the scope of what we're doing here we're more about who they are as as players and and what they can offer a team on the field
1: good stuff you must spend a a fair bit of time looking through
0: uh through tape there yeah i I spent quite a lot of time watching tape yeah
1: (laughs) good stuff so um up first, we're going to look at tight ends. Now, obviously, yep. you know, we've got to start somewhere, and and tight end could actually be an interesting position for the Panthers this coming season because you know we're expecting Greg to, to call it a day. Clearly, that's mm-hmm. going to have an impact. You know, we've got Ian Thomas in there too, um, who didn't see a huge amount of targets when he has covered. Um, you know, we've already gone through the tight end position in quite a bit of detail, but just as a brief recap, you know, where where do you see the Panthers uh, at tight end?
0: Yeah. So I think there are kind of a a series of different outcomes, depending on what happens with Greg. I think if Greg in the unlike, I think it is unlikely that Greg stays. But if Greg stays, then I think you're more looking at either someone to compete for more of like a specialist blocking role um, with Man Hurts and Armour, or just a, a, a more long term developmental option to maybe replace Greg in a year's time. However, if we assume that Greg is likely to move on, then um, either they can try and just directly replace him in free agency, but given their other needs and how many free agents they've got on defence, it seems more likely that that might be something that they they maybe bring in somebody to compete in camp. But that, I, I'd have thought that if Greg goes, that Ian Thomas kind of gets moved into the, the presumed starter role. Uh, the question then comes whether you, you just throw him completely out as the number one tight end. He takes all the snaps, he does all of it, and maybe you bring in a second tight end to block here or there or whether they look to maybe rotate more, say, similar to what sort of seems like Philadelphia have done in, in, in recent years, where you, kind of, you, you can have multiple good tight ends, but neither of them is necessarily the guy every single snap, and you can kind of create some matchups of different guys and take some of the pressure off both of them by, by involving more than one guy quite heavily. Um, the other thing they might look to do is maybe use more kind of specialist tight ends alongside Ian Thomas or rotating in with him. And I think that's something that's also worth considering that they might bring in, you know, at the moment they've got Manhurst and Armour who are more sort of specialist blockers and they could potentially bring in someone who's more of sort of a specialist receiver to give them that kind of varying compliments, which if you want to sort of look at a team that doesn't like that, um, if you look at uh, what Baltimore do, where they have Nick Boyle as more of the specialist blocker, uh, Mark Andrews is more of the specialist receiver, and then Hayden Hurst is just kind of, around and about doing sort of bits of everything without necessarily being amazing at anything. So I think there are, there are different ways they can go and I think we'll try and talk a little bit about both options here.
1: It's not, so, I mean, it's um, fairly well documented, you know, last year that the draft class was pretty defensive. This year is is sort of more, you know, offensive, you minded. Um, yeah. What about the tight end position? Do you, do you see much depth in this year's class?
0: So I think this is actually one of the deepest tight end classes I can remember. Um, I'm not sure it has any very, very, very top-tier prospects. Um, But I'm not totally sure last year's did either. Uh, I know some people will disagree with me on that. Um, But I I think there's a a nice combination of different options in this class. You've got... I mean, we'll talk through the prospects in a bit more detail, but depending... The Panthers probably have different guys for different needs, depending on how they approach it. If they want specialist blockers, there are specialist blockers. If they want specialist receivers, there are specialist receivers. You want sort of well-rounded but unspectacular players they've got those and if you want long-term developmental options there are those as well it's kind of a it's actually a really nice tight end class with a lot of different options and even if the Panthers don't have this as a priority going into the draft there there's likely to be some people around on day three that they could maybe have some interest in
1: yeah so whatever you need you know really a tight end you're gonna find it here but I guess (laughs) that's the same for all the other uh, 31 teams as well yeah yeah that's the other thing cool okay well let's um Let's dive on onto your board then. Who yeah. have you got first? Do you think? who's who's going off first?
0: So for me, there's kind of I, I, I don't want to put, say tiers because I don't think that's a sort of fair way of describing it. But there's kind of groupings of players, and I think there's sort of for me there's a grouping of two players who are significantly better than the rest, um, and that's Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue and Cole Kmet out of uh, Notre Dame. Um, for me, Hopkins is the slightly more valuable player. I think he he offers a lot more as a as a receiver. He is, you know, he, he, his route running and his ability to create separation is is excellent. It's some of the best from Titan in recent years. Um, I, I think he can immediately go into an NFL offense and be a, a significant part of the passing game from day one. Um, his blocking, is, he's
1: going to have to improve on the on the. Bro- sorry, yeah. to, I was saying, do you think he's going to have to improve on that to to really mm-hmm. kick on the NFL?
0: Yeah, I, I, so I think this is, this is the important distinction I make between sort of Hopkins and Komet, is that the differences between them are more to do with style than to do with substance. So depending on how you want to use your tight end, that would likely inform who you think is the more valuable prospect. So if you do want your tight ends to line up on the line of scrimmage and be blocking defensive ends in the run game, then I, Hopkins, I don't think, is physically ever going to be that guy, um, whereas Komet, I think, can be. Um, and whereas if you if you want to use a tight end more as kind of a, a real matchup threat in the receiving game, and yes you want him to block, but you're going to ask him more to block zonely, or to block onto safeties, or to use leverage more to guide defenders rather than just trying to sort of down block on them. Then I think I think Hopkins from a technique point of view is okay as a blocker. His pad level does need to get better and needs to be a bit more consistent in terms of uh, his footwork. But but I don't think he is he's not a completely complete disaster as a blocker he's just a a player who has sort of physical limitations to what he can do he's not going to drive defensive ends off the ball in the run game he's more going to pin them inside on outside runs or pin them outside or inside runs so i I mean this is something that you you obviously teams will have to sort of decide on based on their scheme but but i mean if you've got a power run scheme then hopkins probably isn't a good fit with for you and you should you shouldn't draft him but if you run more of a, a zone run scheme, then he's a perfectly capable blocker, if an unspectacular one. But but what he offers as a, as a receiver is so valuable, then that that, that 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 makes him for me the best tight end of the class. Whereas Komet offers more of a well-rounded game. He is a, he is a better blocker. He is a far more physical blocker. Um, but his receiving game is is less developed. He's he's a pretty good route runner. Um, but doesn't one doesn't run the variety of routes that Hopkins does, but also just just doesn't have the high level nuances and, and the, the the real sort of top tier route running that that that, that, that Hopkins does. I mean that that's not necessarily a, a, a massive hit on him. I think he's a good player. I think I've got sort of high to mid second round grades on both of them. Um, but but I think Komet offers a more well rounded but less excellent in any one category game. I
1: mean, we'd say Komet perhaps is a. A better, you know, maybe a red zone threat because he doesn't perhaps have that full route tree, but just those. You know, those yeah, sure. shorter I, I think he's. M- I think that's.
0: I think he's probably more than that. I think. Like so, I, I think there are players who definitely do fall into that. But I think. I think he can offer more than that. But he's not going to be like a, a, a real matchup weapon in your part. You know, I, I would find. I think it'd be very unlikely. I think. I think a good comparison for these two, if you remember a couple of years ago, was the the, the discussion between Mark Andrews and Dallas Godet. Um, And Brighton Hopkins is a better comparison for Mark Andrews and Cole Komet is a better comp for Dallas Goddard. And obviously they're different players and you can't just directly compare people like that and make it sort of an absolute comparison. But I think it it depends a lot on how you want to use your tight ends. Um, And effectively, Mark Andrews has gone on to become the primary receiving option for the Ravens. And Hopkins could potentially fill that kind of role in an offense, whereas I don't think Komet ever is going to. But he can still be a Dallas Godot, who is a significant part of a good passing attack. He's just not the guy.
1: Mm. I, I mean, I've seen a few people don't necessarily have Komet you know, at the top of their boards, but quite a few people saying that he's probably the most NFL ready in the class. I mean, what, what's your take on that?
0: Um, I think he's probably the most complete tight end in the class. The other guy in that conversation is uh, O'Grady from Arkansas, who I'll talk about in a bit, but O'Grady just isn't as good um, as, as Komet. Um, I think, I mean, I, I would think that some of the people talking about NF already is a little bit that Komet looks like what people think tight ends look like. You know, if, if, if you've spent your time watching Gronkowski and and, and, and um, Jason Witten, Cole Komet looks like that. You know, he, he's broad shoulders, he's big, he's physical, he looks like a classic tight end. And I think there is maybe a little bit that people see the player as a, don't get me wrong, he's a very good player, but I think there's maybe a little bit of that is that people, he looks what they th- looks like what they think tight ends should look like. And so they, they sort of can picture him more in the NFL rather than say Bryson Hopkins, who, who compares much more favorably to some of the more, um, like Mark Andrews, who's more of a technical route runner than either an outstanding athlete or kind of some big imposing physical specimen. So I, I think it's more about some of that is also about how people view players. But I think Hopkins and Komet are the most two pro-ready, along with O'Grady. Um, and then as you go down the draft board, you try trying to have this option. You know, O'Grady is a good example of you then start to have to pick between pro-readiness and upside. Whereas I think Hopkins and Komet, what separates them for me is that they offer both upside and pro-readiness.
1: Good stuff. Cool. OK, so that's um, probably what everything it, that you think is going to go um in the first two rounds then we're starting to get a little bit deeper now
0: i guess uh, yeah oh I, I just as a um i think it's probably worth to point out that, that when i talk about my grades and i've written about this so this is available on the right report and, and uh, hopefully when this gets published it'll josh can link it to, to, to that there but so when i talk about grades this is more about how i think of them in terms of value rather than where i think they will go so I also my grades try to reflect more the, the, the patterns of how prospects work out. So I will I will almost certainly have fewer than 32 first-round prospects. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't draft any of the second-round prospects in the first round, because obviously there aren't 32 first-round prospects likely. But it's more that, that there are very few. If you look at the, the patterns of player value, most drafts have sort of 5 to 15 elite pro- players who become elite star players and then sort of maybe... 20 to 30 who become good players and it migrates more trying to reflect those kind of numbers and sort of actual predictions of where I think they will go so I just thought that's, that's, that's worth pointing out now before we get any
1: further cool okay sounds good so um up next you've got a uh, fairly famous surname in, in Moss yes <laughs> in yeah a bit, bit of pedigree in that family then
0: yeah no I, I and I think that that There is a bit of a chance that he goes a bit high, partly because of that and partly because he had a couple of big games towards the end of the season for for SU in in big moments. But I think he is he is more of a developmental option than either of the first two. But he possibly has the highest ceiling of any tight end in this class. Um, And and if in five years time you look back and he is the best tight end in this class, there's sort of him and Adam Troutman, who I've got as my fourth tight end from, from Dayton. Both of them are guys who whose ceiling is exceptionally high and do offer enough floor that they're not just kind of complete gambles, but both of them have things they need to work on, both as blockers and as um, as receivers. For, for Moss, it's more about turning what looks to be sort of good core physical ability as a route runner and, and pretty good physical ability as a blocker along and, and bits of technique in both to sort of a more polished nuanced set of skills in both regards so he 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 shows a really nice change of direction and and can manipulate leverage quite well but didn't run the fullest route tree or really separate from 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 man coverage of that consistently but he's excellent at the catch point he shows a great set of core skills in terms of quickness agility change of direction all that kind of stuff and and his blocking is is decent if it needed his blocking is actually not that dissimilar to hopkins in that it's it's not bad, it's just a bit limited, though Moss, I think, has much more power as a, as a ceiling. He just needs to um, bend his legs a lot more. So, so I, think if, if, I think Moss will probably go a bit too high to be seen as just a development option. I think he's, he's also a bit, bit better than that. But, um, so I think I've got sort of a, a high third-round grade on him. But Adam Troutman from Dayton, who admittedly is now getting a lot of sort of day-two love, if you're looking for sort of a very high-ceiling developmental option, he is a, a, a great option. Um, partly because coming out of Dayton, there is probably going to be an adjustment period. He, he, he runs really not he shows excellent flashes as a route runner. His blocking is actually technically really very good. Um, and, and he's got good hands. He has value after the catch. However, he didn't run the biggest route tree. And there's also some concerns about just, he needs to add a bit of weight and a bit of bulk. You know, as a blocker, he he's, he's technically very good, But but bigger, more powerful defenders can get the better of him and also as a route runner teams if it, it was clear that teams really tried to just basically bump him off his routes and while he wasn't terrible he did sometimes struggle with sort of more physical offenders as a route runner so i think for him just spending some time in nfl weight room is going to be beneficial as much as anything and that obviously be, means there is going to be a little bit of a, a delay to his impact but he he him he, troutman and moss could be the best two tight ends in in five years time um it's just as there's there's, a, there's enough of a risk to think they might not become that that it's hard to rate them over guys who I think could be immediate impact guys like Hopkins and Commit.
1: Mm-hmm. Mean, I mean you mentioned moss and risk and he's fairly well documented he, he's missed a fair bit of time actually obviously this year um <laughs> he's had you know a record breaking season at LSU um but prior to that he you know had some some various foot injuries you know he had to sit a year out in transfers yeah. situation. so I mean, do you think that's where some of the the risk does come in for us then?
0: Um, so, I mean, the medical stuff is really hard because, you know, ultimately I'm not a doctor and I don't get to examine these players. So, I, I, obviously there are some examples where you do sort of have sort of a bit of a, a hesitancy, but I, I think if, if, you know, if you're an NFL team, if your medical staff thinks he's fine, I, I, who am I to disagree?
1: Um, mm. but, I mean, is there, because he has sat out so much time, is there, there's less film on him to watch? And- yeah, yeah going to worry some NFL teams do you think Cause if there's limited film available it's... It, it does a little
0: bit but I mean Trubisky went second overall with one season so I, I mean I, I think that the, the flip side to that argument is that that means he's had less coaching and therefore the fact that he's a bit more raw is more understandable and so you think you maybe have a better chance of making significant developmental progress. Whereas the, the concern you would have is if someone's coming out sort of a, a fifth-year senior, like Bryson Hopkins, the big selling point is that he's technically very, very good, but he is also a fifth-year senior. Um, but the fact he's got better every year is, is obviously um, encouraging as well. But but if a guy is a fifth-year senior and is still quite raw, then you've got to wonder, well, why why hasn't he make these imp- made these improvements? He's had enough time. He's had lots of coaching. So I, I think the fact, you know, the lack of playing time works both ways for players I think
1: yeah yeah I think that's uh, probably fair um so Troutman uh, I, I didn't catch all of it just had a, a, a brief look myself but at, mm. at the senior bowl Troutman put up a, a pretty good performance and, and yeah and seems to have it all but, I mean I assume you've that's <laughs> that was on your list of film oh. that you've been watching
0: uh, so I watched a little bit of the senior ball. I'm always a bit, you know, the, these guys stuck in offenses they've been doing for a week, and so it's quite hard to really assess them. And, and the quality of other players varies. It's much easier to, to, to watch them. I mean, for him, obviously, there's the value that, that 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 he's been at the FCS level, and therefore it's useful to see him against FBS players. I think the drills, personally, I think the drills at, at the senior ball are far more interesting than the actual the actual game itself. Um, I think for him, there is also the big selling point that he's a converted quarterback. He came to college as a quarterback and then converted to tight end. So again, if we're talking about the argument that you know he's only been playing the position for four years, so the fact that he is going to continue to get better is you know there's a reason to believe that that the, the technical flaws he has are things that can get better. And but again, teams interview players for a reason. You get an understanding of who they are and whether you think they're their coach and all that kind of stuff. Um, for, for him, I think the biggest question is is just. It's 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 about how he's so he is one of the taller tight ends in the class and he look he looks very th- slight on, on on tape at times um, um, and there's, there's I think he could do better as a route runner for adding some bulk and for being more physical as a route runner but there are always going to be concerns where the teams are just going to try and basically bash him around as a route runner and and make it hard for him to actually run his routes where he is excellent if you, if you don't touch him he's an excellent route runner but he did struggle with contact at times
1: good stuff now um you've already mentioned um o'grady or uh, already do you want to elaborate a little bit more on what yeah
0: yeah i think that's probably fair um so o'grady is a fairly well rounded player but it's hard to see him ever being anything other than sort of a a borderline starter in the nfl and that sounds like a criticism but but that's not necessarily like you can be a you can be a useful if unremarkable starter, and there are lots of teams that have won Super Bowls with useful but unremarkable starters. As a blocker, he will largely be competent. You know, he, he can he can he's scheme flexible as a blocker to a certain degree. As as a, as a receiver, he's got you know good hands and, and and can can stretch the field a little bit and runs a, a reasonably competent set of routes, but is unlikely to ever be kind of se- consistently separating against man coverage or being the focal point of a passing attack. He's kind of a uh, uh, it, it's probably quite hard. I mean, so he does actually have some off-field concerns, so he might not get a legitimate shot for that reason. But from tape alone, it's quite hard to see him busting, but it's hard to see him ever becoming anything more than a, than a, than a, a, a decent starter. So he's kind of one of the low risk, at least from a, from an on-field point of view, a low risk, low reward type, sort of mid third round type prospect.
1: Okay. So, I mean, it's what little I've seen, admittedly, it's not a huge amount. um seems to have pretty good, good footwork yeah something that, that you you picked up on
0: yeah no I think actually as a blocker his footwork is, is is really quite impressive I think he's he he's a technically well-rounded player I I just it's one of those things where to reach the upper echelons as, as a receiver you have to have a a quickness and agility to to read as around you know Upper-level route running requires certain physical abilities, and I just I just don't think he 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 changes direction or is agile enough to really threaten good coverage linebackers, say in 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 man coverage. But he can do most things quite well. Like he he's yeah he's a a really nicely well-rounded
1: player. Cool. So moving on, then who who else has, has caught your eye?
0: So I think there are are a number of sort of interesting sort of slightly developmental options as well as one massive swing from the heels or or, or it's more than one but but at least one of no so i'm not i'm gonna try and pronounce his name but charlie tuomo um from portland state i apologize i'm just saying charlie t from now on because that's probably not how you pronounce it but but um yeah but, i thought i
1: saw that one I thought you know what? i think i might have let you have a go at pronouncing that one yeah <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm 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 far from an expert on pronunciation so i, I will just say charlie t but um but, but he is, as a route runner, he shows some really nice things. His quickness and agility is excellent. Uh, he's got pretty good power as a blocker, uh, good hands, good after the catch, you know, all, all kinds of very nice stuff. Um, but his blocking is terrible. Um, and to be fair, coming out of Portland State, it's it's under, somewhat understandable, but any team that drafts him is basically going to have to completely rebuild his entire blocking um, because it, it's just technically a, a complete mess. Um, but... The upside is very high, um, and so when you get sort of towards the end of, of, of day two into day three, it's a bit like Ian Thomas. So, so Ian, Ian Thomas coming out was a really good athlete who showed some nice things, but technically was just very raw. And I think Charlie T is a a, a a similar player coming out to to Ian Thomas in that you can see how he could become a nice player, but there's also a lot of work to be done to get there and the encouraging thing from ian thomas is that that he has made he's got better every year so so like players can definitely make huge improvements particularly guys i mean i think ian thomas was a juco guy or sort of small school guys they can make loads of improvement with good coaching but you have to you know in, this is where interviews are really important because you have to know if he can improve because so much of his value is tied to the improvements he makes whereas better players still probably need to improve but but the floor for him is very low, and so if he doesn't improve, then that that's a real issue.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you've mentioned obviously is blocking being particularly bad. Um, yeah. You know, we've seen that the tight end position has, you know, the the receiving aspect of it has become more and more important. Um, yeah. How important is the blocking now? I mean, is it just that it is just becoming more of a receiver role, or do you still think that, you know, it's it depends on scheme or, or is it, it, just, it i you know, mean
0: it, it does it does vary a lot with scheme i think there are so there are different types of being a good blocker so you can be a like a legitimate good blocker like like um Gronkowski was where he could just move people in the run game you could ask him to down or reach block onto onto edge defenders you know you know, he was he was effectively like an extra offensive tackle like there are there are those players but you can also just be a competent Run blocker. You know you can stay in front of your man. You can you can make sure that the the defender stays in the gap you want him to stay in, and you can make sure he isn't able to crash down and break up the run in the backfield. But but so that it depends what you want as a scheme. It's very hard to have tight ends who just can't block, which I think a little bit where he is at the moment. Where if if you ask him to make sure a linebacker stays to his right, he doesn't do that consistently because he doesn't technically use his feet and his arms to to, to make that happen. His, his you know I'm not gonna try and get go into massive detail but but he doesn't get his feet squared to the blocker, he doesn't get his arms up, he doesn't extend them well. It, it, it's, you know, he he struggles to do the sort of the, the core bit of what the play is to asking him to do. Um so I think it, it depends a lot on scheme and some schemes do need legitimately good blockers, but a lot of schemes just need, you to be competent and, and to when it's drawn up on a play that the player stays to your left that the player does stay to your left effectively
1: right yeah yeah that that makes sense um so the the next guy you've got on your list here you know i've obviously been looking around at you know other people's mocks and and, and boards and see what they're they're saying and, and from what i'm seeing that a lot of people have this guy a little bit higher and yeah. you seem to have him a little bit lower so i um, talking about jared um, pinkney yeah um what's your thoughts there what, you know why have you marks him down as something you've seen that perhaps others haven't
0: so i, I don't think it's that the, there's something that he necessarily does terribly it's just that i think he's maybe not as as developed a player as as he should be um i think he also has a little bit of the Col Kmet thing where he looks like what Titan should look like you know he's he's big broad shoulders he moves really well like you know wrong he moves really well and he, he his his ceiling is relatively high um, it's just that there there are technically some things he he needs to be quite a bit better at, um, and it's it's harder to justify why a guy who's coming out of Vanderbilt and who's been playing in the SEC is quite raw as opposed to someone say like um, Charlie T who's coming out of Portland State. Um, so I think in terms of what he needs to do better. Um, while his route running, he showed some nice things. He didn't really run very much of sort of what I'd call a sort of an NFL route tree. So a lot of his a lot of his separation was generated by just being quite athletic, and, and just being asked to run to a point. He didn't really wasn't really asked to work one on one against defenders very much and create separation in man coverage. And that's what will really separate him as a, a as a uh, an NFL prospect. Um, and also as a blocker, I think he's, he's technically, although he has the physical ability to do it, and there are some reps where he's really good, the consistency just isn't there as a blocker. And I think a lot of that is 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 from inconsistent technique. Um, he, he has this real tendency to drop his arms a lot. So he starts with his arms almost by his waist and then rises them up into a block. And the issue is, is when he mistimes that, it just means his, his, his arms are completely unable to make any effect on the block and guys can get into his chest really easily. Um, he, he doesn't set his feet very well going into blocks at times. So like when he actually engages in a block, when, when he gets a block set, he's good. And I think yeah, I can see how people sort of see him set blocks and think that looks really, really good and effective. And, and it is, but there are too many where he either whiffs or just does, doesn't just, just doesn't get engaged properly
1: and ends up sort of getting, getting beaten that way. Um, so, is, so I think. Is that I mean, one of those things. Sorry, I was just going to say, is that one of those things whereby you kind of get away with it a little bit in college, but in the NFL, you're just yeah. going to get exposed
0: so quickly. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's also, it's, I think it's one of those things where it's also, I think it's important. Reproducibility and consistency are really important. So, so, and I think this goes generally, and, and this may be more my, my personal beliefs on, on, on the game rather than anything else. But the, doing things well consistently is, I think, more important than doing things exceptionally well occasionally but making a number of mistakes that, that because of the chain based nature of, of, of the way the game works, negative plays and broken plays really have a really significant negative impact. And whilst you can counter that with the downward passing, all that kind of stuff, that particularly when you're talking about blocking, you just, you just want someone to, to consistently do their job as, you know, the, the, the play where they block someone four meters backwards and pancake them is, is great. But if you also whiff a lot, that's, doesn't make the, what the negative blocking over outweighs that the positive blocking and i think he's a guy where there are some really lovely blocks but there are just too many bad blocks and, and again this can be worked out and i you know he, you know he, he would still have been ranked as my like third or fourth tight end last year like i you know don't get me wrong like i'm not saying he's, he's terrible this is a really good tight end class um but i think he's he's maybe more of a risk than a lot of people seem to think he is
1: cool in, in, interesting stuff like i said just seeing him a lot higher and and uh, that kind of yours yeah, no, 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 no. it was uh, keen to understand what yeah what no, no, I,
0: I, but I, I think it is it is important to under under kind of understand that the, the, effectively when you're evaluating these players you're effectively trying to balance between what they are now what they might become and what you think the outcomes are between those two um and i think that the i i tend to be slightly more cautious all in terms of I think the NFL overestimates how much players improve at the NFL level because whilst there are players who make massive improvements there are probably a lot more examples I th- what the evidence suggests there are a lot more examples of players who get drafted high and just don't make the development teams Teams effectively think they're better at developing players than they are and so they look at someone like Pinkney and go yep yeah, we can fix him and they might be able to but the data suggests they're not as good at doing that as they think they are Heaven forbid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, yes. So, moving on, um, we've got um, a couple of Bryants uh, in this class. Um, Harrison Bryant is yeah. is one. And from what I've seen of him, he, he looks, uh, you've mentioned a couple of guys who look like the typical tight end. He looks a bit more slight yes. um, than some of the other guys, but he's actually quite a bit more sort of nimble and agile for us, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I think he's. So, so he is quite an interesting option. So I think he's similar to Pinkney in that he, he, he's, you can see how he could be really good, but he kind of needs some development to get there. Um, I think the difference for him is I don't think he's ever going to be a great blocker because as you say, he does look really quite slight. Um, and also when you watch him block, he just doesn't really push people at all. Like he, like he can just stay in front of people and that's about it. And, and if you ask him to make certain blocks, he is just going to get driven backwards. Um but he, he he from a from an athletic standpoint he he shows some really nice things as a route runner he changes direction really quite well really good hands adds something after the catch um, but but blocking again is 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 something he's going to need to work a lot on um, and I think the, the, those these are sort of the the, the Bryants of the world the kind of people that if you start getting into into the beginning of of, of day three where you kind of you're not going to ask them. To, to be major contributors from day one but they can kind of maybe catch a few passes here and there and do what they're good at in the receiving game and you can start to build up the blocking so that's then maybe make some sense as more development options for the Panthers sort of but, but upper tier development
1: options Cool so um, to wrap up what would be your top ten we've got Jacob Breeland and um, Tyler Mabry Mabry? Yes. Mabry? Yeah Mabry let's not get into pronunciations again
0: yeah um uh, Yes, yeah, so I, th- I think Jacob Breland is another guy who falls into the pretty well-rounded, pretty good, hard-to-see-him-ever-being-exceptional category. Um, I think for, for someone coming out of uh, the Pac-12, he's actually a surprisingly quite good blocker, um, although he's not spectacular, and there are things he needs to work on. like He's a perfectly solid blocker, and his receiving game is quite nice, if kind of not spectacular. Um, I think if, if, if the Panthers just want to draft like a long-term number if they're like ian thomas is our guy we just need a number two who can play some snaps here and there and and offer something if if you know if ian thomas misses a game can come in and be be fine breland is maybe sort of more in that kind of category of of never going to be a starter but is like a perfectly competent rotation piece uh, that you could probably get towards the end of day two probably more likely a, a mid-round option um tyler mabry and I also group in, just to go outside my top 10 ever so slightly, uh, Rashad Berry out of Ohio State and Mabry out of Maryland. Um, they are kind of, for me, the best two blocking guys. They're sort of, Mabry is is, is a more polished receiver, but he's still predominantly a blocker. They're, 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 they're more guys that if, if the Panthers either keep Greg Olson or, or um, look to go to more sort of a, a specialist type uh, rotation, they're more guys who will come in and compete for roster spots with with Armour and Manhurts. Um, they're probably both going to be late day three picks, but if you want really quite good blockers who can offer something in the receiving game, um, then then they're, I think, my, my top two choices. Berry is particularly interesting because he's a defensive end convert, so the fact that he doesn't really offer anything as a receiver yet could potentially be something that could be tapped into with time, though, of course, this is something you'd have to probe in workouts and stuff, but, but they're probably, for me, the two two best sort of blocking specialists and it and and particularly late on day three if you want sort of a hybrid multiple position blocker they could be be players i think panthers could legitimately look at and could well be um available sort of when the time the panthers get to look at defensive
1: end late on day three cool so i mean you, you touched on barry there who who you know does just only just fall out of your top 10 yeah um i was having a little look around and you know, with, with tight ends these days, you know, the you, you, first thing you're looking at the stat lines, you are looking at their touches and it's like, he oh, He caught right,
0: like <laughs> four passes or something. It, it, it's yeah, it, yeah no, what's <laughs> not not he...
1: going on but the, but the fact that he
0: was able to get a reasonable amount of game time at Ohio State just because he blocked really well. I think it is is worth appreciating That that you can be a valuable piece without being a major part of the receiving game but you have to be really good. And also you're never going to be anything more than sort of a rotation piece. So yeah, he's going to be a late round pick. The reason why he stayed, he he declared early is probably because he's never going to get much playing time as a receiver at Ohio state. So he might as well declare now I'd have thought, Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's, he's not a big
1: receiving guy. I'll put it that way. I mean, given the, the strength on offense, you know, for this class and specifically at tight end that we've already discussed, you know, could it not have been a, an option for him to declare a bit later when it perhaps wasn't as as strong I as mean, well?
0: If I'm honest, I, I I find it very hard to ever criticise someone for declaring if they want to. I mean, partly you never know what's going on in someone's life, so you know each their own and that kind of stuff. But you don't get paid in college if if you. So a really good counter example to that is is uh, uh, Albert. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, uh, so, I apologise. Albert Albertos out of Missouri. Um, who I think is a guy who probably could have been a reasonably high draft pick last year, but was very, very raw. Didn't declare, went back to Missouri and is now coming out a year older, still really raw, essentially the same player. And all he's done is one killer year of potential learning, but also teams are now looking at him going, well, you haven't got any better. So, you know, are we going to be able to fix you that, that you, by, by going back, you won, spend a year, not earning any money. Um, but, but also potentially if teams think there are things they can develop they become less sure of that the longer you show you haven't got that ability so it, it there I, I ultimately i i when someone chooses to declare is kind of their own prerogative, and I, I find it very hard to have any particularly strong feelings about it either way
1: cool okay so before there's a couple of the people i've noticed again just from looking at you know what, what other people are saying that yeah. you haven't mentioned because we've gone through like what was what effectively now your top what twelve I guess um, yeah.
0: we've
1: gone through now, um Hunter Bryant and Colby Parkinson I've seen a few people yeah about and you've put them pretty low down
0: yeah H- Hunter Bryant's an interesting one he runs really quickly um in a straight line and accelerates really quickly but he doesn't really change direction very well um and is blocking his terrible um so he is very much in the category of you can draft him and you can try and develop him develop him into a tight end but the moment he's just a quite big person who runs really quickly Um, and that's not without any value but it's hard to it's hard to really project that into being a huge success at the nfl level um i think it's one of those things where there are there are players in the past who've been really fast tight ends um and have but but so, so say Noah Fant last year, who was obviously a far better player, but 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 Noah Fant wasn't sort of some complete finished article as a receiver. But what he did show was in the routes he did run, he showed the remarkable change of direction and ability to to conserve speed through through breaks. Whereas Hunter Bryant just runs really fast. There's no his route running is is very simplistic he struggles to change direction uh and as a blocker he he is one very very slight he's he, i think he's the only tight end in this class who's under 240 pounds um but also technically he's very poor um his pad levels basically doesn't bend his knees at all um his power is limited as i say and 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 essentially is is just a fast guy at the moment and and teams will 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 value that um but as, as i said earlier i think that the they, they overestimate their ability to actually turn a fast man who's who's quite big into an actual competent like well-rounded player um Kobe Parkinson's actually not dissimilar um I don't think he's as fast but essentially he's really good at the catch point and that was emphasized a lot in Stanford's offense but he doesn't actually get very much separation at all even against fairly mediocre defenders he his route running's there are occasional flashes, but it's just it's, it's it's not really developed at all. He just kind of runs and then tries to create separation at the catch point, and he is he is quite good at that to be fair. And don't get me wrong, like Cody Parkinson is a guy who you could probably draft and then just stick in the red zone to run fades, but I'm just I'm not sure how valuable that is. Um, and as a blocker, again, isn't particularly good. You know, ultimately, the tight end position is really weird because most colleges don't actually use a tight end like the NFL teams tend to. So there are a lot of people on this list who are going to need a lot of time to develop as blockers, and that's just kind. Of, some of that is just taken for granted because there aren't very many well-rounded blocking tight ends that come out of college. But but players who who are also needing a lot of development as receivers, it, it's hard to see someone just making leaps and bounds in both regards. And there are examples where people do. Ian Thomas is a good example. But but both Colby Parker and Hunter Bryant are guys who will probably test. Hunter Bryant could well test exceptionally well in terms of 40 times but but just technically are, are very limited players and given that both have come out of quite big schools that, that have developed a lot of players in the past like one of the things i do look at a little bit and as i mentioned before is sort of guys who come out of big schools you generally have it's harder to understand why they're still technically underdeveloped and again that doesn't mean they can't develop you know at all but 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 a guy who's underdeveloped coming out of portland state or dayton is much harder to to, to kind of to rationalise why that might be than a guy coming out of a, a, a an LSU or, or a Washington or a Stanford. So I, I think they're both very underdeveloped players, and it's it's they're essentially just athletes at this point, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we wrap up on the tight end position and this episode, is there anyone else that stands out for you that perhaps is a, a sneaky late round pick that? it could be worth
0: some valiant. So, so I don't think there's any kind of like absolute steals I, th- I think Troutman was the only one who who looked like he might be and now people seem to really like him um, which is which is good because he is a very good player but he was kind of the one who was looking like he might go under the radar and now the radar seems to have found him um, but I I think it depends what the Panthers might do at this position I think varies depending on a few things and um, I think if they go into the draft with either Greg Olsen still on the roster or um, Ian Thomas and some sort of mid-tier veteran um, who, you know, someone who, is, who, who ultimately it's clear is not going to be fighting to stay on the roster in camp. They might be fighting for a role, but, but it, it, a veteran who you, you can guarantee is going to be on the roster. Um, I think then you limit yourself to sort of day three and then, then you are looking at maybe the, the Charlie T type long-term development options or more of the specialists, the sort of the Maybrews and the Berries. Um, I think if the Panthers go into the draft, as I think there is a real chance they might with just Ian Thomas and some guys, essentially perfectly competent guys, but essentially Ian Thomas is going to be viewed as, as the main tight end. Then I think guys like maybe even a Bryson, I mean, the best case scenario from from my personal opinion would be, that that Bryson Hopkins falls towards the third round and stuff. And and at that point, his value is is really hard to pass on. And I think someone with a more receiving skill set would be a better fit for what the Panthers have currently. I think Thomas is a really nicely well-rounded player. um, And the other tight ends on the roster are more blocking specialists. But the Panthers don't really have one receiving specialist tight end at the moment. So I think that kind of, if that is how things stay, then guys like Hopkins, Troutman, Charlie T um, and then maybe even the Harrison Bryant start to look more appealing as as either pro ready or more developmental receiving specialists who can act um, as a nice complement to the tight ends currently on the roster and who can in sort of a Joe Brady sort of style offense could potentially be really key pieces in terms of creating matchups and uh, and taking advantage in the receiving game. So I think that that's those are sort of the two different paths I could see the Panthers going in in the draft at tight end
1: and and appreciate there's a hell of a lot of moving yeah. parts that you've just gone through there <laughs> because one small change could make it a huge difference yeah but is, is there one guy here that you know, realistically could appreciate you know obviously your number one is obviously the guy you'd want the most yeah, yeah, but yeah. realistically with who's ahead of us and and probably most importantly where we have needs elsewhere yeah. um realistically who would you be really pleased with if, if, if we bought in
0: um so yeah, I think it's worth pointing out that I don't think the Panthers are going to draft the tight end at seven. So I, I wouldn't. I don't think it's going to be part of that discussion, just just for just for sanity's sake. Um, but but um, I, I think some someone if, if you get to the end of day two and there's still a Troutman or a, I mean obviously Hopkins would be ideal, but a Troutman or a Charlie T or or maybe yeah Harrison Bryant maybe but be a bit less enthused depending on where you draft him. But 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 someone who I think there are a number of people who you could see becoming really good players and ultimately I mean we've talked about this before but if the Panthers are going to rebuild you have to look at players who are going to help you more in two or three years time and so them I think in this class the more developmental options or players who are at least whose value is is not tied just to the fact that they're pro ready I think those are the more appealing ones for the Panthers whereas like a and O'Grady is a perfectly good tight end but I don't think really fits with what the Panthers want to do for example
1: cool okay. Well, I think that just about brings the tight end um, episode to an end. Um, yeah. That was really interesting. I've, I've learned an awful lot on that one. <laughs> so it'd be good to uh, check it out on draft day. Um, who are we going to be talking about next time? What what position are we going so to be looking at?
0: The plan next time is to talk about the safeties. Um, in Just in terms of the tight ends, the, the the full big board will be going up on the right report along with at least one um, profile. So So there will be sort of, if you want to look into what, what we've talked about in a bit more, more detail and have a look at the full the full draft board, that will be coming up on the right report in the, in, in the next week. So so look out for that. Um, but yes, safeties is the plan for, for next week.
1: Good stuff. Cool. Well, uh, Vincent, thank you very much for your time. That was a uh, fascinating insight into the tight ends. Um, please do uh, subscribe, like, review and all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, to also give us a, a follow on Twitter as well. I'm at Royal right UK. Uh, Vincent, where do people send their fan mail to? Uh,
0: I am at vrichardson444. Great.
1: Thank you very much. That's all from us this time, but do join us next time on The Great British Drafted Show. Goodbye.